0: Whether you've watched sports on the field or on TV, whether you're a parent or a coach or a player yourself, you've undoubtedly seen and probably heard or maybe even felt that heart-sinking moment when an athlete's head gets slammed, bumped, or jolted by a competitor or a teammate or by any sudden contact that can cause the brain to move rapidly inside the head. We'll talk today with an NFL player and with the neurosurgeon leading national research into concussion in sports.
1: What's true for for the NFL athlete is true for uh, for the recreational athlete.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so if there, if you have sustained a concussion while playing a sport, the single most important thing to do is to stop.
0: Welcome to the Brain Injury Awareness Project, presented by Brain Injury Services. A nonprofit leader in developing services for children, adults, and veterans who have experienced a brain injury. I'm Erin Mattingly, a speech language pathologist and the board chair of brain injury services. And whether you're a brain injury survivor, an athlete or a family member, a friend or caregiver, a clinician or researcher, or if you're just curious about injuries to the brain, we're pleased to have you join us for this conversation.
2: This broadcast may contain general information relating to various medical conditions and their treatment. Such information is provided for informational purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional.
0: Every year, an estimated 3 to 5 million people sustain a sports-related concussion. That's more or less the population of Los Angeles. Our focus for today's Brain Injury Awareness podcast is concussion and sports. I am thrilled to be joined by Dr. David Okonkwo, director of the renowned Brain Health Initiative at the University of Pittsburgh, where they are researching the spectrum of brain health in former professional football players, amongst others, as we'll talk about. He's also director of the Neurotrauma Clinical Trial Center at Pitt and director of Neurotrauma and the Scoliosis and Spinal Deformity Program at UPMC Presbyterian Medical Center. Dr. Okonkwo is past chair of the American Association of Neurological Surgeons and the Congress of Neurological Surgeons section on neurotrauma and critical care. And oh, yes, he's team neurosurgeon for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Dr. Okonkwo, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Pleasure to be here, Aaron. Nice to meet you.
0: Nice to meet you too. And we're also joined by Chris Carr, a nine season NFL cornerback, punt returner and kick returner for teams from the Oakland Raiders to the New Orleans Saints and several in between. And Chris retired from pro football in 2014, concerned then and now about the impact his years of play had on him. He went from the NFL to law school and is now an immigration attorney in the Washington, D.C. area. He's also a participant in the football study at Pitt that Dr. Okonkwo leads. And I'm proud to say Chris is also a colleague because he, like me, serves on the board of the nonprofit Brain Injury Services. Welcome, Chris.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me, Anne.
0: Of course. Okay, before we get into the world of professional and amateur athletes, I'd like to just set a little groundwork. So Dr. Okonkwo, can you tell us briefly what is a concussion?
1: A concussion is a uh, force or trauma to the head that produces a manifestation and produces symptoms. It's really one particular form of a broader spectrum that we refer to as traumatic brain injury. And, uh, and quite frequently, I'll describe traumatic brain injury as encompassing the full spectrum from concussion to coma. So we know that there can be very, very severe traumatic brain injuries where people are fighting for their lives and sometimes lose their life. No two concussions are alike. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people can feel a host of things in response to a concussion from Headaches to dizziness to nausea to extreme fatigue to issues with uh, with cognition and uh, memory um, and beyond, and so we're still really really uh, at the dawn of our understanding of concussion broadly, um, but a concussion in the simplest terms is when you have sustained a, a blow to the head um, from force that results in symptoms.
0: Okay. And so it's not something I think a lot of people think you can just sort of shake your head and you're done with the concussion. You know, you you get hit, you might might be a little bit dizzy and then you're good to go. It's something that has, can have a long-term impact.
1: Correct. Uh, The good news though, is that it's become very, very clear that concussions are treatable Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of tools in our tool belt now to help people recover from from concussions and substantially limit the risk of long-term sequelae. Mm -hmm.
4: Uh,
1: But having said that, there are people uh, who sustain concussions whose issues linger um, and can linger uh, indefinitely. Um, But we've really been able to uh, change the conversation about concussion, which has been a phenomenal um, and welcome part of, of modern life. And in the United States, we are at a point where there really, truly is broad public awareness of of concussion, and people recognize that this is something to be taken seriously. And uh, and most people know that they should go and and uh, seek an evaluation and treatment for it. Not everybody, but right. most people know that now. And uh, so, it certainly made my job a lot easier. That um, in in today's age, um, people recognize that this is a condition. This is a disorder. Um, they should get evaluated for it and then they learn that there are actually lots of things that we can do to help people get better
0: that's great and then who's at risk of concussion not just professional football players soccer players i mean who who would you say are the primary folks who are at risk for concussion
1: well if you look at the at the demographics and epidemiology of of traumatic brain injury including concussion in, in the united states of america it's 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 pretty profound uh, so we now are at a point where two point eight million people a year are um, diagnosed with a concussion through the emergency rooms in the United okay. States of America. The full um, the full burden of concussion is actually significantly broader than that because of the number of people who never go to an emergency room um, after having sustained a concussion. So we think the number is actually north of 5 million per year wow. in the United States for the number of concussions that that occur. And anybody can have that happen to them. Um, yes, we know a lot about sport-related uh, concussion. Yes, we understand that that one of the signature injuries of modern warfare and modern military service is, is traumatic brain injury.
4: Mm-hmm
1: but the fastest growing demographic in the United States are actually the elderly who fall and, okay. and hit their head. So it's everything from skateboarders to uh, construction workers to grandma at home, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in addition uh, to our, our brave men and women in, in uniform and, uh, and, and athletes coast to coast.
0: Okay. I always think of the motor scooters. I don't know if you do You have the motor scooters in Pittsburgh that we have here in D.C.
1: We do. It's a, oh. it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yes. um, you know, if it were the only mode of transportation, it it might be it might be different. But, yep. uh, I, you know, I've taken care of many people who have been injured on those things. We don't mm-hmm. see uh, routine helmet use right. with those. Right. I mean, we work so hard to get people to understand that if you're going to go out and ride a bike, you need a helmet. Yeah. Um, and income, these uh, these rentable electric scooters and I uh, and and people aren't wearing helmets when they're when they're riding these things, by and large. And then our infrastructure and our roads and our, our traffic patterns aren't built for them. They're not right for right. the sidewalk. They're not right for the road. And most places in America don't have the ideal accommodations for bicycles.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's uh I. I have not seen numbers on this, but it has it has to be meaningful. The number yes. of people, what not just concussions, but broken wrists and scrapes and bruises and other injuries.
0: Oh yeah, they they're the bane of my existence on the sidewalks here in D.C. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, just to interject, I am dumbfounded every single time I see one. Every every <laughs> single time, it never fails. For the past four years, if I see one person riding and just like, why would you take that risk? <laughs> There's no room. Like you're going 20, at least 20, I dump on it every single time. Yep. I don't think I'll ever get used to it. (laughs) No. And I will never get on one. That's for sure. Yes.
0: Um, What should someone do if they, or someone they care about have sustained a concussion?
1: Yeah. You you know, the uh, we have to be careful because life, is a concussive event. You know, I mean, every time a three-year-old trips and falls is not, is not a reason uh, to seek medical, medical attention. So we have to, we, we, we have to be careful, you know, not to overextend things. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is, it is true that, like I said, I mean, we, 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 our current thought process is that there are multiple millions of concussions, genuine concussions sustained in the United States of America at this point. And, um, you know we get a lot more nervous about the older person who falls and maybe taking blood thinners. Mm-hmm. and uh, and there can be uh, some real uh, manifestations of that 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 are vulnerabilities because of the blood thinners. So depending on the person and and you know sort of their health profile and circumstances, there can be very, very good, good reason uh, to to seek immediate medical attention um, in an emergency room. Uh, But uh, there are others for whom, you know, it's uh, under a much clearer and more controlled set of circumstances. We see this a lot in recreational sports and in in professional sports. But professional sports have their own infrastructure and apparatus to 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 handle that. Um, But for uh, for the recreational athlete, uh, another fantastic reality in, in 2022 in the United States of America is that there are um, a number of specialty concussion centers that have cropped yeah. up in, in metropolitan areas and beyond a, a, across the country where people can get a genuine and appropriate and valid evaluation for their concussion.
0: That's great. And is it is concussion more of a problem tied to a single hit or repetitive hits, or yes,
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, um, again, our understanding of of concussion has has changed dramatically uh, over the last twenty five years,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and what what's become very very clear is that uh, for people who are at risk for repetitive head injuries. Um, the single most important thing is to make sure you have recovered fully from from your concussion before being in a position to be at risk for another concussion. Okay, okay. and that that concept um has certainly made its way into the military health system. Um, and uh, and we've also seen that uh, make its way into uh, the sport related concussion world. You know, at the professional level, like I said, there are very, very stringent and strict uh, guidelines, expectations and protocols that have to be uh, followed. But we've seen that trickle down effect um, all the way down to uh, uh, community recreation. All 50 states now have something called a Liestet law, which which mandates that you uh, that that a youth athlete who has sustained a concussion must. Go through an evaluation process to ensure recovery from that concussion before uh, returning returning to play. That's great. So anybody is at risk for repetitive head injuries. Sure. Um, but our, our 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 focus in the in the medical world is on making sure people understand that uh, that recovery from your concussion prior to putting yourself at risk for another one uh, is the key to limiting what the, what the future risks might be.
0: Okay. When you say recovery, you mean no, no symptoms, right? No remaining symptoms.
1: Yes. Okay. Having, having had your symptoms resolved, if there are objective findings on, on exam, because we often see manifestations in the uh, vision system or the, or the vestibular system, the balance system, Um, we can see changes in cognitive performance Mm -hmm. um, as well. Um, and then we can see changes in neurologic function. And if any of those things are true, it's not just having your symptoms resolved. It's, it's having your neurologic exam return to normal.
0: Okay, great. Okay, Chris, spotlights on you now. From a player's perspective, when you began playing football and then went pro, of course, were you concerned about concussions at all?
3: Yeah, well, when I was a child, when I began playing football at the age of eight years old, okay. um, I I didn't even know what a concussion was. <laughs> there was no discussion of concussions, um, and everything was about hit, hitting, right. being tough. Um, so I cannot recall a single instance in which, um, somebody was asked to sit out a play because he got hit too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were times where people got hit and they didn't get up and they said they were a little dizzy. Uh, but nobody expected them to sit out um, and nobody checked them afterwards um, that I know of. You know, perhaps sure. that parents might have took them to the hospital afterwards, but I highly doubt it. So I think growing up, in short, it wasn't an issue and mm-hmm. it wasn't something that you thought about. And okay. frankly, as uh, me, as I, um, you know, throughout high school and throughout uh, my time at Boise State University, I never um, worried about concussions, really and I never recall our coaches or our training staff discussing um, concussions, right? Um, and for a player's perspective, your football is so popular and so competitive that what you're thinking about mainly is getting better mm-hmm. uh, or you should be thinking about mainly as you grow, <laughs> as you get older. Um, and then in the NFL, you're thinking about um, keeping your job um, because the NFL is very competitive And there's no, uh, our contracts aren't 100% guaranteed, or most of them aren't guaranteed. So besides your signing bonus, you know that if you don't perform, you can not be in the NFL. And so you do have um, an incentive to possibly play through something or not tell the whole truth when it comes to your physical status. Um, But I first became aware of this problem in 2010. Uh, I was a player rep for the Baltimore um, Ravens. and We had our um, associations, the NFLPA's um, annual meetings. I think they were in Florida that year. And there was three um, players that came in and talked about their symptoms. Hmm. And one of them I played with when I was with the Oakland Raiders. And they were sharing their stories about how they went to the grocery store and they forgot where they were. And they had to call their wives to come pick them up or they're going to um, take their kids to school and they forget how to take their kids to school. And so when I saw a player that I actually played with, so I knew that wasn't that old, I was in a position to be like, oh, well, this guy's old and senile or right. <laughs> like this guy <laughs> was around my age and, Yeah, and hearing these stories, right? Mm-hmm. They were saying it's not only can one big hit, it's these repetitive hits to the brain. And uh, you think about it just like a boxer, right? Everybody has seen or has heard of boxers being punch drunk. Mm-hmm. Or you hear them speak afterwards, and their career is almost over. It's like, why do they keep fighting? Like, those hits to the brain is killing them. Like, why did we ever think that football would be any different? And I, I think um, at that point in 2010, I, it affected my play. It affected because at that time, I had just finished my sixth year in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to go to law school. I knew I didn't want to play football forever because football was never the end all be all. And you could tell. And I remember the following season sometimes when I'd see a pile and linebackers there, the lineman's there. He's going down. I'm like, I'm good. I'll stay right here. I'll stay here in the perimeter. (laughs) Right here. (laughs) <laughs> because they got him. And I remember we'd be in the And but before, even though I was a small guy, I just jumped right in there. It's like, hey, you gotta you never know, you know, jump right in there and make sure he's down. Um, but after that experience, I was just like, it changed the way I played. I didn't do that. Um, and even when um coaches would reprimand me for that afterwards, um, I still was just like, well, oh, okay. I'll just okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, Just lip service because I knew I didn't want to hit any more than I needed to. And so that was um, really and that was around the time too the whole um, atmosphere changed when it came to discussing um, brain injuries. Um, So for a, um, a player, it really evolved. And so over the overwhelming majority of the time that I played football, it really wasn't an issue or a thought um, until my last three years of playing football.
0: Okay. Interesting. And um, is there, and this is kind of for both of you, is there a re- requirement now that there is education given about brain injury to players or I don't, I don't even know.
1: A- absolutely. Okay, great. And I, uh, the, 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 NFL has, uh has really made player health and safety a priority. Great. And uh, on every, uh, in every locker room in the National Football League, is posted the uh, the concussion protocol and and uh, you know informational educational posters about uh, what to look out for. Um, and then there are parallel educational processes associated with that, um, mm-hmm. where uh, where uh, at least in the National Football League. Um, that, that's, that's clear front and center.
0: That's great. And, and Chris, despite this education, I mean, we still see people willing to, to play, right. Willing to ha- make those hits, willing to be in those piles. It, do you think there's a way to change the mindset around concussion for players who might just say, you know what, whatever happens, happens. Um, this is my career. I know that's kind of a, a big question, but curious.
3: Yeah. I mean. It's a tough question because I'm a, I'm a big freedom guy type of mm-hmm. thing when it comes to your life and the decisions you make, right? So to me, as long as everyone has the information, mm-hmm. right? And people, sh- and all the players should be educated, okay? And the coaches and the people who are in charge of the game, um, and this includes the training staff and the medical staff, should – ensure that they follow the protocols right they should yeah. uh, they should ensure that um if a player hasn't passed the test the protocols to return to playing that even though that they know the player um <laughs> is not ready to play mm-hmm. um they don't they don't lie and they don't misstate facts to say like hey this person is ready mm-hmm. um and so as long as to me all the players know what they're getting into and really have the knowledge, um, and then at the end of the day, they're adults and they make their own decisions mm-hmm. for their own lives, right? Sure. And obviously, with children, right? <laughs> you know, children—they're yep. not old enough to make their own decisions, and that's when the parents have to um, step in and be like, "Hey, you know, this is—you know, your child. You have your own life too. You can make your <laughs> decisions being your adult." Right. Um, but for the football players itself, it's hard because football is football. Um, Kind of like boxing is boxing, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's really hard to change the mentality on the field because once you're on the field, if you're too much tiptoeing, right? And you're too much thinking about getting hit, um, then it might sound counterintuitive, but you probably going to end up getting hit getting a lot hit, harder than yeah. you otherwise would. Okay. I've been... Uh, affiliated
1: with the medical staff of of the Pittsburgh Steelers for nine years now. And I've noticed a, a a sea change over that period of time from uh, you know, the previous era was a, if you got your bell rung, it wasn't a big deal. Mm -hmm. And if you turn back the clock, you know, even, uh, even further um, in, in some ways it was worn as a, as a badge of honor. If you, if you were hitting or getting hit that, that hard. Um, and then came this era where, where, where the emphasis came to light, um, but you still had players who felt like they needed, um, they needed to shield themselves from things. So they wouldn't, they weren't necessarily forthcoming with what was going on. Um, But what I see now is, is, uh, is a player pool that is as committed to their health as, as the medical staffs that take care of them, as the organizations behind them, and, um, and the National Football League as a whole. And, uh, and so it is not uncommon at this point for a player to self-identify as having potentially been hurt. And this, this happened several times for me last season, but the, 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 the NFL keeps track of these statistics, and it's very clear that this is far more common now than ever before. Mm-hmm. that players self-identify for concussion evaluations. And sometimes at the end of that process, you can reassure the player that everything is okay. Um, mm-hmm. But many times it culminates in, in a diagnosis of concussion and removal from play and 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 putting that player on a path towards recapturing health and being able uh, to get back into the game. And we also see it now uh, where teammates um will identify and and come over and say, Hey, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so is not quite right. Um, And, uh, and, and players, teammates will identify uh, on behalf of their fellow players um, concerns for a concussion. And then you also have this entire structure now where on game day, there are several people there whose sole job is to be on the lookout for player health and identifying any concern. With player health, obviously concussion being one of those one of those key central features that people are on the lookout for. But from the head referee to spotters that are up in the booth, to unaffiliated neurotrauma consultants that are assigned mm-hmm. to each sideline, to a, a third one of them that's up in the booth, to athletic trainers, um, any of these people are empowered uh, to actually stop play and um, and have a player. Um, removed from the field for an evaluation.
0: That's incredible. I mean, that's a significant culture shift almost in the past 10 to 12 years. Um, that's, that's, that's great.
1: It's a culture shift across all levels though. And one of the great things is that I think that the most important um, group are the players themselves.
0: Right. Right. Advocating for themselves and others, like you mentioned, that's, that's awesome. Okay. Dr. O'Conquo, tell us about this football player study and what you're looking at and what you're looking for.
1: Well, for, uh, for over 15 years now, we've had a national conversation about what are the the risks and the long-term implications of having played contact sports. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, for me, um, I also saw this same pattern happening um, with military service members as they transitioned into veterans. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, as I mentioned, traumatic brain injury, including concussion is now a signature injury of of modern military service. Um, And we had an extreme privilege of of, uh, being put in a position with, uh, uh, with partners in the Department of Defense to stand up programs that were designed uh, to help uh, veterans gain clarity about their own health and um, and get connected to resources and treatments and programs that would that would allow them to recover health, maximize their own health and and life performance. And uh, we we discovered that many of the things that we were doing had had an obvious and direct extension into the world of of professional sports and professional mm-hmm. contact sports and and specifically, professional football. And uh, so, I like, like many, many parents and citizens and fans um, and uh, and former players in, in the United States, you know, I I too want to know the question: What are the long-term brain health implications of having had a career in professional football?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, we want that to be a question that is answered with the best possible science. And uh, so we, uh, we, we built a, a team that in large measure was already in place because of the work we had been doing with, uh, with military veterans.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we pivoted our attention over to the former professional football player uh, population. Um, and if you wanna ask the question, what does this look like long-term? and you want to do it in the most scientifically valid way, then you actually need to study a random sample of former professional football players.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So it can't just be a series of stories. It can't be a collection of anecdotes that, are, that is put together. The, the, the best science would be delivered by having a random sample. And uh, that produces an extraordinarily tricky conundrum of Mm -hmm. how do you achieve a random sample of of former professional football players?
4: Yeah.
1: Um, Well, uh, the NFL Players Association put us in in contact with some fantastic people at Harvard who have been doing the, the Harvard Football Player Health Study. And through that collaboration, we were able to create a process to Um, to generate a random sample of former professional players. We also have a group of players who were not randomly selected um, that comprise a separate cohort that are um, a part uh, of the study. Um, And so we're able to build a pretty large database reflective of many things. uh, and uh, so as part of this study, uh, former players come and they spend five days in, in Pittsburgh and they uh, go through a very specific series of, of tests that look at all aspects of health, not just not just brain health. Uh, we apply the most advanced technologies and tools that we have at our disposal to assess health and and to assess brain function. Um, and then we also, Marry that to some things that we think are probably going to be really powerful tools in the future, but we're not quite sure um, what those what those tools mean today Um, and the reception that we have had from the players that have participated in this study has been nothing short of exceptional It, it I have seen the exact same. Um, perspective and camaraderie in the former professional football player population that we saw in the military veterans, because they too knew that some of the things we were doing were, were really research trying to understand what, mm-hmm. what if we try these sorts of blood tests? What if we try these sorts of novel ways of imaging the brain or assessing brain circuitry and electrical function? And, you know, and they knew that some of the things that we were doing were not going to help them directly. Sure. They knew many of the things we were doing would help them directly, but many of the things wouldn't. But if it was going to help the next person and if it was going to help someone five years from now with the same concerns that they have today, you know, they they were putting their arms in the air saying, sign me up. And I, I, I'm more than happy to participate. And we've seen the exact same. Uh, approach from the former professional football player population. It's been an extremely gratifying um, scientific endeavor to to participate in. It's been an honor of my life to be a part of this kind of work. I've met some incredible people um, through this process and have had, again, the fortune to be surrounded by True world experts um, uh, who are uh, who are a part of the team and bringing this alive and and making this happen. Um, we are we are still at least a year away from uh, from our first set of results um, from the study, um, but we believe that we have we have created a uh, a path that allows us to be- to bring the best possible science um, to the question that is continuing to, uh, to happen as a national dialogue.
0: Wow. That's, that is a very impressive study. Um, and, and I, I can't wait to, to read some of the initial results. Uh, I'll be looking in a <laughs> year <laughs> for the, for the publication. Um, and, and Chris, how did you, how, how are you connected, um, with the study and with Dr. Conquo?
3: Yeah, I, I underwent the study. I did my 5 days in the Pittsburgh cold in the, in the <laughs> snow. <laughs> it wasn't too it wasn't too cold, but it was definitely um, there's a lot of snow there. Um but I think I got an email uh from the University of Pittsburgh. I think it was an email first before I talked to anybody over the phone. And I um initially I was kind of like, well, I'm busy. I have a family. I got <laughs> I got work. I got clients. I got court. Um but then I started thinking about um it is it is important when it comes to knowing exactly what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And even though that I I feel like I put football behind me, I still have a lot of appreciation for the game, what it's done for me, um what it's done for a lot of my friends and families, and if this could help other football players right just the knowledge base right mm-hmm. um then that's that's that'd be great i mean that's vital and i feel like this is an opportunity to give back because i didn't feel like at the time when i was asked that i had any symptoms of a traumatic brain injury or i wasn't depressed um i felt like i was doing pretty well with my life and so i felt like hey i'm the type of person that should want to do this right you should have um Um, Like Dr. was talking about the the random sample, you know, Mm -hmm. people and that and that way you'd really have the best study, the most accurate study that you can have. Um, Yeah. And so then when I went to um, Pittsburgh, and actually underwent um, all the different testing um, and talked to everyone about the study. I was just very impressed Mm -hmm. Um, and I was really thankful and I was I was glad that I decided to do it. Um, because I do think that it's going to bring a lot more knowledge. Um, uh, it's probably gonna be the best study that anybody's ever conducted in this area. And I'm just, I'm just thankful. And, um, I feel honored that I was a part of it.
0: Wow. Thanks, Chris. Um, has anything without giving any, anything away, has anything from the research conducted so far been applied currently to either evaluation or treatment or practice, um, in, in the player population.
1: That, that's a great question. Uh, but I would say it's actually worked the other way, which okay. is that um, we are extremely blessed to have genuine experts in, in Pittsburgh in this in this field. And so what we've actually done is we have we've absorbed the best from all of these amazing folks. Um, and I don't want to discount the contributions that our that our friends and colleagues at Harvard made to this as well, because they too have been trying to systematically study what brain health is, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we were able to absorb some of the great things that they are up to in into the study to make the study more powerful. Um, and so, for the moment, what we've been trying to do is pick off the things that we think are the very, very best features um, in, across these different medical de- disciplines and insert them into the study. We've then overlaid that with some things that that as I mentioned, are innovative and, and mm-hmm. really on the research side trying to understand will this be will this be a gold standard in the future um, And so we don't we don't know that the answer to those things yet.
0: Wow, and will there be because I'm sure that the listeners are going to be thinking about this will there be a civilian a non player uh study following up this one that that people can you know be a part of
1: um, yeah you know i we um we we uh continue to have this commitment to to the military veteran population, sure. yep um you know we have we have broadened our horizons um and you know opened the doors to to the the, the professional athlete population mm-hmm. um and then i still have a day job where every day i come to work
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and treat and, patients yeah <laughs> do my
1: best to, to take care of people with uh with, with traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries um and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm not quite capable of boiling the ocean. Um, but what I would say to people is that um, we still have a long way to go uh, in the United States to really truly build a system of care mm-hmm. that is top notch and actually reaches um, every community mm-hmm. um, when it comes to traumatic brain injury. Uh, but the situation is a lot better now than than it ever has been before and sure. uh and i strongly suspect that um there are local resources for people who have concerns mm-hmm. um to get appropriate medical evaluations
0: dr Conquo, what do you advise players coaches parents or anyone who might have suffered a concussion um to do maybe While they're playing, we talked a little bit about getting care and evaluation, but if they're actually in the moment of playing, um, what do you recommend?
1: The first thing you got to do is pull yourself out of the game if someone uh, hasn't done that on your behalf. And um, what's become clear through data is that uh, people who play through a concussion actually have a longer recovery um, profile on the back end. OK. And, and so actually playing through it is uh, is is counterproductive and and only hurting yourself in the end. Uh, and, and and this is another factoid that, you know, we've tried as hard as we can to educate uh, the NFL player population, um, which, again, I think is in part why we're starting to see that that player self-identification, because the 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 the, the reality is, it's one thing not to play the rest of today's game,
4: mm-hmm. but
1: be back next week or the week after, and it's another thing to hide what's going on, play through it and end up worse and instead of missing two quarters or or a game and a half, yep. you end up missing a month. And wow. uh, and what's true for for the NFL athlete is true for uh for the recreational
4: athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so if, there, if you have sustained a concussion while playing a sport, the single most important thing to do is to stop and, and to remove yourself from play, um, and then to gain clarity on whether you have in fact had a concussion, and then uh, and then to get connected to uh, you know the the correct place that actually knows what they're doing with this patient population to get an appropriate evaluation and treatment plan and recovery plan, and then uh, return to play
0: mm-hmm. protocol. I think that's really powerful for, you know, parents and players, of course, but, you know, I think of high school athletes who are, you know, football, lacrosse, soccer, um, who they're just going to push through if they can, um, to hear that, you know, it may impact that one game, but you can come back and play, but the recovery will be lengthened if you continue to push through. So that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, And then we also have to remind ourselves that the worst possible thing to happen when you've had a concussion is to have another one. Right. Right. So there's that that really is the first and foremost reason to stop. Sure. (laughs) Um, uh, But, you know, in addition to that, it is uh, if you want this to to um, uh, to recover as quickly as possible, it's important not to play through it.
0: Okay. And Chris, what do you tell your NFL colleagues or players who are just now coming into the league or even starting out in high school or college sports.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think what Dr. Um Okwanko said was right on. I think you gotta say, like, hey, not only you're probably gonna you're probably not even gonna play as well. <laughs> so if you go in there and you're in the field, right. you're probably not gonna play as well. So that's gonna hurt you. And then you're gonna compound it by being out longer um due to the to, due to the um, concussion. So you have really every incentive to really um, tell the truth and come out the game and stop mm-hmm. playing because as soon as you can get better and the quicker you remove yourself, the quicker you can recover. I think that's really important.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but I think, um, I think with all the knowledge that is out now and with all the precautions that the teams take and with the players knowing that, most of the players are rational and are not too irrational when it comes to playing football. Sure. Most of the players now they have families. Right. Okay. And so they know like to a lot of them it's not worth it. And they don't then they don't want to see their other players getting hurt mm-hmm. and being affected for their um for their family members one day. Mm-hmm. And so I think um like um Dr. Akwanko stated earlier, I think in the main you really don't have that problem with that many players really trying to go out there and do whatever it takes. I'm sure it does happen, right? Because if just you're compared to Spirit, there's going to be some players that go there and push through it. But I think just with the knowledge and sharing that. Um, But I think if you did have to be in a position to talk to somebody, if you're a player and they're contemplating the decision whether to go back in or what to do, um, people really should put it really in their own self, uh, self-interest. self Like, hey, you're probably not going to play as well and you're going to be out longer. It's going to hurt you in the long run. Don't do this. Yeah. Um, and as far as the younger players, when it comes to high school, or uh, it's it's pretty much the same advice too. So really trying to educate them about what could happen and the symptoms and the long-term effects that you could have because of these concussions. Um, but also, too, telling them, too, that, and it's, I don't think it's heartless, but I think it's true in most instances, that most likely you're not going to be a professional.
0: Right, right. <laughs> you know? Don't kill dreams, so, Chris. Yeah, Come on, so, don't kill dreams.
3: So if you are <laughs> in a position where you have a concussion, <laughs> right, or a history of concussions, it's, at the end of the day, it's a game. Right. Um, you might love it. It's an extracurricular activity, but there's gonna be there's gonna come a, a day where you have to stop. Um and to give an example of this, um I have a client, I'm an immigration attorney, so I have a client from England. He came here on a soccer scholarship and he um received he got a really a collision in one of the games. I think he was mm-hmm. him and another player were jumping up at the same time to headbutt the ball and they both just ran right into each other head to head really bad concussion. He came back a week later and he kind of pushed the envelope. Um, then when he came back the next game, he had another one, yes. a bad one. So really, and um, after that, the doctor said, we don't think he should ever play again. Mm-hmm. He went months and months um, with recurring symptoms, wasn't able to finish his schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, um, do you want to go the rest of your life possibly, um, with symptoms that you have indefinitely, um, because it's just not worth it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: We've come a long way in, in educating the, the, you know, the population at large about the importance of concussions and, and, you know, what to be on the lookout for and why, why it's necessary, uh, uh, to, to get yourself into a place to recover. Um, and We have certainly, uh, emphasized this dramatically Mm -hmm. in the public conversation. Um, it's also important to remind ourselves the extraordinary value of recreation. Right. And, and, uh, that, you know, for every concussion in a game, there are a thousand games played without a, without a concussion. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, all across the country. And, uh, and you know, football in particular is the ultimate team sport. There is a position for everybody. You know, yeah. Mr. Carr doesn't look like a lot of the, you know, he doesn't look like Ed Too Tall Jones. Right.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's something for everybody uh, on, on the football field. Yeah, um, and that's true. That's true. You know, girls' soccer produces more concussions each year than any other sport. Wow. Are we suggesting that 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 young girls and teenage girls in the United States of America shouldn't experience all of the amazing uh, uh, upsides and benefits to participation in a team sport and training and learning and learning how to win together, learning how to lose together, learning what you can do better to help your team? The the upsides are are enormous mm-hmm. um but it's important to pay attention to health uh but we should also remember that it is ultimately vastly more healthy to play these sports yes. than it is to shy away from
0: them and not yeah not coming at this with from a place of fear but remembering like you said that the numbers are are smaller than the overall you know player amount that's that's great advice
3: for me as a football player, just having that knowledge for all the players to know that, right? Um, is key because mm-hmm. um you're gonna play. And I think, you know, we'll see how the study comes out. I think most players that that play football um, are gonna be fine when they're when they're finished playing. Um, but just having that knowledge, because if it does get to that point, um danger (laughs) you know then it's like okay maybe i i decide that i played a long time this is it Mm -hmm. and so yeah in short knowledge is power um and i think that's you know for whether that's football players soccer players or just the regular population at large,
0: or motorized scooter riders (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and dr okankwo what about you uh, what do you want to say to today's today's players, tomorrow's players, parents, coaches? What what advice do you have, or or want you know kind of takeaway message do you want to share?
1: I'm proud of what I've seen with uh, players who uh, take their their health and well being very seriously, and uh, and who are a part of. Uh, of organizations and, uh, and a league that has dramatically upped its game when it comes to player health and safety. And uh, the game is uh, safer and yet more exciting and more popular than ever. Mm-hmm. The game is clearly safer today than it was 40 years ago.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's not the same game that it was even 20 years ago. Um, and it's more popular than ever.
4: Yeah.
1: And uh, what the standard that is set at the highest level of play, the standard set at the National Football League has a trickle down effect into college athletics, high school athletics and recreational athletics.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the fact that 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 the NFL and other professional sports organizations are in this perpetual push for improvement, is raising raising the bar for for everybody, mm-hmm. and it's making it's making recreational sport a safer place for kids to get the exercise and camaraderie um, and lessons that are that are so valuable.
0: Great, thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Okonkwo and Chris Carr, not just for joining us today on the Brain Injury Awareness Project podcast, but also for all you're doing with the PIT study and your outreach to build a safer and better future for athletes and, um, and indeed for, for everyone, our, our military, our veterans, um, all the population. So thank you both for your time and uh, the great, great knowledge and, and um, really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Aaron. It's been a pleasure.
3: Yes. Thank you, Erin.
0: There are a few resources that I'd like to share before we end. A great place to look for sports concussion information is cdc.gov slash heads up. Healthcare professionals can dive in further at cdc.gov headsup heads providers. The nonprofit website pinkconcussions.com has information on education and care for women and girls with concussion and other brain injuries, not only from sports, but also from violence, accidents, or military service. For all, especially for those of you in the Northern Virginia area around Washington, D.C., Chris Cars and my nonprofit group, Brain Injury Services, has a wealth of resources most of them free or nearly free. And I invite you to check us out at braininjurieservices.org. That's braininjuriesvcs.org. As always, always, if you have a concern or just a question, check with your doctor or medical provider. And seek emergency care right away for anyone, adult or child, who may have experienced a head injury and shows signs of repeated nausea, a loss of consciousness for even 30 seconds, short-term memory deficit, visual symptoms, dizziness, or headaches that get progressively worse. I want to thank everyone for listening and invite you to check out the rest of our Brain Injury Awareness Project podcast from Brain Injury Services. And please know you can support all of BIS's vital work by visiting us at braininjurieservices.org donate. I'm Erin Mattingly. On behalf of everyone at Brain Injury Services, wishing you good health and a brain safe and concussion smart life on and off the field.
2: This broadcast may contain general information relating to various medical conditions and their treatment. Such information is provided for informational purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for advice provided by a doctor or other qualified healthcare professional. Listeners and viewers should neither use the information contained herein for diagnosing a health or fitness problem or disease, nor for assessing one's treatment options and or regimen. Any listener or viewer should always consult with a doctor or other healthcare professional for medical advice or information about diagnosis and treatment options. Neither Brain Injury Services Incorporated nor any party involved in creating, producing or delivering this broadcast shall be liable for any damages, including without limitation, direct, incidental, consequential, indirect or punitive damages arising from the use of said information contained in this broadcast.